All right, welcome back. Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Morning, Keith. Morning, Smitty. Okay, we started the show today talking about the demands from the tourism sector in Canada. Mm -hmm. Get that border open. Let's save the summer tourism season. And we saw an extraordinary kind of all-hands-on-deck news conference. All the major tourism organizations Mm -hmm. from across Canada saying to the Justin Trudeau government, we want a plan, we want a timeline, we want some target dates here to get the border reopened. Now, something's going to happen here. There's lots of indications that there is lots of work going on behind the scenes to reopen the border. What are you hearing? Yeah, so I've talked to um, officials in the B.C. government and ministers. There is talk, uh, but again, it's still preliminary. It's, It's also talk of how to do this, how to do it safely. And I don't think this is imminent. I think we're still talking weeks away, but it's how to open this safely. One of the issues is the vaccination um, rate in the United States has sort of hit a wall in a number of um, number of states. We're, our vaccination rate now, in terms of one dose at least, is higher than the states. They've got a higher two-dose two rate. But uh, until those numbers get higher, I don't see how you're going to see either government uh, necessarily want to open that border. What we are hearing, though, is also the relaxation of the um, quarantine rules Maybe may precede the opening of the border. That 14-day quarantine, that may be the first thing taken off the table. But in terms of opening the border, it's still hard to see how that's going to happen before August. Okay, really, okay. Well, I know that the tourism industry hoping for sooner than that. Let's play this clip here for you. This is uh, B.C. Health Minister Adrian Dix and when we might see the border open again. It's our expectation in the coming months that the federal government may take some actions in concert with the U.S. government and with other governments to, uh, to uh, increase access to Canada. I think in the coming months, given what's happening to uh, test positivity in our province, which today was uh, 3.51% and what's happening to test positivity in other jurisdictions, that is inevitable. But that will require a whole series of measures to ensure that we stay safe. Okay, inevitable to reopen the border. He, he also referenced coming months, plural. Yeah, so if, yeah. if that's you know two months, well, that puts us into August. Uh, we're in June now. And again, um, BC's in a far better uh, situation in terms of COVID, uh, in terms of numbers, than, say, Alberta, Manitoba, yeah. and Ontario. That, that's much more serious in those provinces. And we have a very long border with the United States. It's not a, it's not a small little thing. It's a very long border. So do you open the entire border? Hmm. Um, at a time when Manitoba right now is in a, still in a very precarious situation. Uh, Ontario, case numbers are coming down in Ontario, which is great, but they're still pretty high. Our numbers, you know, we're below 200 now, which sounds nice, but when you think of it, it's still more, you know, 200 cases a day. Uh, but our numbers are dropping. It does, um, the numbers in BC do support the notion of opening this border up sooner than later. But as I say, it's a long border, and there's a number of provinces and states where still have serious COVID-19 problems. Okay, conceivably, you would relax restrictions and open the border to maybe vaccinated travelers, fully vaccinated, right? You've got the first shot, you've got the booster shot. This is the the travel the passport, passport, the yep. vaccine passport. We've heard a lot about. Very, this appears what's on the table and is being worked on behind the scenes in that, Ottawa. That sounds like where where we're headed. We've talked yep. about vaccine passports in the past, and it's likely that's going to be uh, required. Maybe two dose, uh, maybe one dose. We'll see. We're we're far behind on two dose in Canada. We're not that's gonna, the we're, thing. We're not going to get to two dose right across Canada 
all summer long. We do expect in BC, the target is to get everyone two doses by the end of August. That's basically the end of summer for, for all intents and purposes when it comes to tourism. We're not going to have two doses with everybody in July. Okay, lots of indications from Ottawa that this is moving up the agenda. We saw some comments from Justin Trudeau yesterday saying yep. that something is coming. Uh, news reports now starting to filter out of Ottawa with sources. Bloomberg News, particularly in the last 48 hours or so, uh, reporting that a plan is in the works and could be announced and imminently. They're, and, they're, and they're talking about um, the quarantine uh, yes. rule being relaxed. And which seems for fully like, vaccinated for people, fully vaccinated if you've people, got both shots. Which seems, which seems you know, sensible. But again, that's not going to involve a lot of people in Canada. Very few people comparatively have two shots in Canada compared to America. Right. Okay. Uh, speaking of the second shot, so the second dose of the vaccine continuing to roll out now big time in British Columbia. Here's Dr. Rika Gustafson, the Deputy Health Officer for BC, talking about the speed of getting the second dose into people. Have a listen. We hope to deliver the vaccine to people as fast as possible, and people are hoping to receive it as fast as possible. Okay, so we're seeing a, a, a more rapid rollout of the second dose now. Yeah, so uh, in the last week, we've had a, about 106,000 uh, second doses administered when, you know, the preceding weeks we were probably talking, you know, 10,000. So on a daily basis going forward, you're gonna start, we're going to start seeing the number of first doses um, decline, and the, or the growth is going to decline the number of second doses is going to start to ramp up. So right. we went from 6,500 doses May 31st, 27,000 doses June 3rd. We're roughly that number, I think, over the weekend. We had 145,000 doses in all. Of, of those, about 58,000 were second doses. Hmm. So the second dose now is going to be the focus. We're, we, it took us two months to go from 24% vaccination rate for first dose to 70%, which is pretty a pretty steep climb very quickly. But in terms of going from 70 to 80 to 85, that uh, climb is going to be more onerous and more more time-consuming uh, because we're not administering as many first doses. The aim now is to get as many second doses into the arms of people. So many people now are eligible for second doses. It's, we're talking, you know, 3 million people. Uh, you know, had uh, the first dose uh, just a couple weeks ago. A number of them are now on, are eligible to get the second dose, probably a million people. How is that second dose rolling out? I continue to get calls and emails from people, and I know you do too, from people who are expressing some frustration that they're trying to get the second dose, they're having some trouble booking a se- their yeah, shot. Yeah, so it, 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 again, it varies, uh, it seems anecdotally. You are, I've been contacted. You know, I've been texted yeah. to get ready to get get your appointment. I got it from a pharmacy, as you did. Yeah, we got AstraZeneca, so we're in a different queue than than others who got Pfizer and Moderna. Uh, so it's uh, but but people are getting uh, contacted and getting their second dose. So uh, if you if you got your first dose before April fifteenth, I think you need to go back and ensure that you re-register because the, your contact information might not might not be available to the health authority. But after that, if you were on that part of that online registration uh, that kicked in in mid-April, you should be getting contacted. Again, it's an eight-week interval. It doesn't mean eight weeks to the very day or hour. It's just uh, you're going to be contacted before your eight-week interval is up to tell you just be ready. You're going to be alerted for a booking at some point in the near future. Okay, let's talk about this um horrifying story out of London, Ontario that has shocked the country in the last 48 hours or so with uh, this Muslim family that get gets mowed down by mm-hmm. a vehicle is a 20-year-old man in London, Ontario, now facing multiple murder charges. Police describing this as a hate-motivated crime that was premeditated. We will see where it goes from here. There are calls by Muslim groups and many other groups across the country here now 
to apply terrorism charges in this particular case. It was a very moving day today in the House of Commons in Ottawa when all the major party leaders were on their feet uh, making comments on this. Let's have a listen to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau on this case. If anyone thinks racism and hatred don't exist in this country, I ask to them this. How do we explain such violence to that child in hospital? How can we look families in the eye and say Islamophobia isn't real? When you listen to the black Muslim woman who constantly looks over her shoulder at the bus stop fearing someone will pull off her hijab or hurt her, she'll tell you Islamophobia exists. If you listen to the parents who beg their children not to wear traditional clothes for fear of them being harassed or attacked simply for what they're wearing, I'll tell you, racism exists. Okay, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau speaking earlier today in the House of Commons. Uh, det- detectives and investigators in London, Ontario, Keith, saying, saying straight up that they, they believe that this was a planned, premeditated act. The detective superintendent in charge here, uh, it called it a planned, premeditated act motivated by hate. And they said there's evidence to that regard. So we don't know precisely what evidence they have. Maybe there was something said at the scene when this this man was arrested. Well, there could be online social social media posting and chatter. There has been reports that there's been online chatter about this, okay. this is how yeah. they found this guy. Um, again, it'll be interesting to see if domestic terrorism charges are laid here. Uh, it is defined of what the criteria is. Uh, we don't have a lot of history of that charge necessarily succeeding in court, but uh, Justin Giroux thinks it's a, a domestic terrorism. But he yeah, he called it terrorism. He doesn't today. decide what the charge is. Uh, right now it's going to be murder, uh, first-degree murder, but it yeah. could be elevated to a, a higher, uh, higher Well, charge. if you take a look at the criminal code, the definition of terrorism under the criminal code is an act that is carried out for a political, religious, or ideological purpose objective or cause intended to intimidate the public by causing death or serious bodily harm and there are lots of groups in canada saying that this is this is the section of the criminal code that should be applied in this case now now it's interesting that it's complex part of law um just in speaking to some of the experts on this and taking a look at some of the case law and one of the challenges on a terrorism case is proving a clear motivation Mm-hmm. of a case and, and especially if you've got like a lone wolf person who's acting out alone there may be challenges on that now on the other on the other hand if they've got some clear uh, clear evidence on social media yeah. posts or whatever it may be a, a, a little bit more straightforward yeah. path yeah disturbing no matter which way you uh, view this whether it's terrorism or just murder it's a incredibly disturbing uh, crime Another sign of we've seen in this pandemic, and we've all done stories on this, of the rising uh, tide of racism, uh, whether it's Islamophobia or whether it's anti-Asian racism. We've had disturbing incidents in BC. We've we've documented. We had video of this. Uh, it's it's very disturbing to see what's happening. It really is. It's really troubling. And I think what Canadians would like to see is a full application of of the law here, and we'll see where this goes forward in terms of a potential. Uh, domestic terror charge because it's not always a straightforward case like if you remember back in i was just reading about the the quebec city mosque attack which took place in january 2017 another terrible day six people fatally shot and in that one you know justin trudeau again very unequivocal calling it a terrorist attack however in that case there was no terrorism charge brought in that case 
the man who was charged there uh, pleaded guilty to multiple charges of first-degree murder. So there was no terror charge. So Each province has its own criteria for determining what, what charges are. In B.C., yeah. the, the criteria is uh, twofold. It has to be, a uh, lane charge has to be in the public interest, and there has to be a substantial likelihood of conviction. I'm not sure what the Ontario uh, criteria is, but it does seem to vary from province to province. But uh, we'll see where this one goes. All right, Keith Baldry is my guest. It's Baldry's Beat. Phone lines open 604 280 star 9898, toll free on your cell. Let's go to your calls. Keith on the line in Courtney. Hi, Keith. Good morning, uh, gentlemen. I, I wanted to tell you about my experience trying to get my second dose. I phoned the 1-800 number, oh, about three or four days ago now. And uh, I got, it, obviously, it goes to a call center. I got a woman who spoke with a very heavy accent that I couldn't understand her. Spent about 20 minutes, and I, she supposedly gave me a number and said that I would hear within 24 hours. Well, it's been, what, four or five days now, and I haven't heard a thing. I'm not very impressed. <laughs> Okay, Keith, thank you for the call. What should he do? Yeah, it's interesting. The second second dose now is involving huge amounts of people. Uh, we, we ironed out, we smoothed out the edges in the first dose. Remember, we had a real rocky beginning yeah. in the first dose? Yeah. Then it became very efficient. I wonder it if did. we're going to see the same thing with the second dose, where it's going to be a little rocky at the beginning. Yeah. As we're really, um, when we were just tracking along with a few hundred a day, a couple thousand a day of second doses, not a big deal. Now when we're trying to do, you know, perhaps 50,000 doses a day of second dose, when it's a different track than the first dose, I think we're going to see some, some hiccups. Okay, that's a good point. They may be going through a little rough patch here, and then it'll, hopefully it smooths out. Let's go to Jen on the line in Poco. Hiya, Jen. I'm in my early 40s. I got my AstraZeneca shot on day one that they announced that I could get it um, when they announced 40 and up. And so that was super smooth. I just walked into my local no-name pharmacy and they just gave it to me. And then the same pharmacist called me on Friday and um, asked me if I'd like to get AstraZeneca. I said, absolutely. And my he called me back yesterday and my appointment's booked for next week. Okay. And I attribute the smoothness of this entirely to removing myself from the regular queue um, of the, uh, the age-based rollout. And I think that it's kind of funny and ironic that the uh, vaccine that's faced the most scrutiny is the one that's given me the smoothest uh, yeah. so far. <laughs> Yeah, okay. interesting. So Mike and I both um, you know, removed ourselves from that HQ, and we both took AstraZeneca. We've yeah. both been contacted by our pharmacies to uh, prepare for the second dose, and others who've got AstraZeneca as well. Are, are, we're, in a, we're in a different track than those in the age base who are part of that province-wide registration. Uh, but having said that, I got I got contacted by both the provincial side and the pharmacy, So, uh, and I think others have as well. Okay, Christian and Kelowna, we got a minute here. Go ahead. Uh, yes, I'd just like to touch briefly on this uh, vaccine passport issues. Um, they should take a look at what's going on in Florida. The governor of Florida has taken this to task with their uh, statewide Supreme Court and won the case against anything having to do with any sort of vaccine passports. And their uh, their comments were their, their issue was that it's still an experimental drug or a vaccine, and nobody really knows the long-term effects of what's going to happen. Okay, thank, thank you, Christian. I'm not stepping on you. We're just up against the clock. Wait, 10, 20 seconds. Well, U.S. law is not the same as Canadian law, so uh, because something fails a U.S. court challenge doesn't mean it'll fail in Canada. We're not there yet. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. 
Loved ones are gone. And for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.